there is this research that needs to be done when you're thinking about how and where you want to operate a business. Not only are we curating the best a city has to offer, but we're creating our own original content around it. The weird thing about entrepreneurship is people think that to be an entrepreneur, you sort of have to like jump up on the table, kick a stapler across the room, and then say, I quit. I think that most people that start a small business don't want to be a small business forever. I know I don't. I wish more people would just ask, like, why can't I do stuff Good morning. Welcome to Your Business Matters. I'm your host, Mark Hager. Thanks for joining us again this week. Uh, it's been a little while since I've been on the show. I've been on hiatus so I can get some studies done, but glad to be back in the seat and especially glad this week because we have some phenomenal guests with us. We are so lucky. Uh, we have Travis Sheridan, president of Venture Cafe Global Institute. Travis. Happy to be here. It's Thanks nice so to much. see you again. Yeah. It's great to see you again as well. And we also have Joyce Chen, who is the global expansion lead for Venture Cafe. Thanks for having us today, Mark. So glad you're here. <laughs> so you guys are in Fort Wayne. Um, I think, you know, the thing to be, I guess the obvious thing to start with is tell us about Venture Cafe. Yeah. So Venture Cafe is a public benefit corporation, a B Corp that who cares how we file our taxes? Uh, the important thing is we build innovation communities around the world. We're currently in six cities. And when we talk about building innovation communities, we don't talk about the physical infrastructure. It's more the programmatic piece, uh, the glue that holds the people together, uh, that creates heartbeats within each innovation district. And we do that through uh, a core program, which is bringing anywhere between 300 and 500 people together weekly uh, for educational purposes and what we call networking, but it's really about interacting with each other. Wow. Say that again, 300 to 500 people a week? Yeah, in our largest market or our largest audience and collective is St. Louis, Missouri. 530 people on average show up every week 50 times a year. And how long has that uh, Venture Cafe been open in St. Louis? That started October of 2014, so it's, in, it's going into its fourth year. Okay. How do you spread the word? How do you get 500 people to come to anything, really. Yeah, well, I think, first of all, even before spreading the word, it's about having a good product, right? When we, you know, if entrepreneurs are listening to this, it doesn't matter how good your marketing is if your product sucks. So, like, have a good product first. The second piece, especially as it relates to Venture Cafe, is every week there are eight to twin, eight to ten educational sessions, and each person that leads those sessions, that's different community members, and they have a tribe, right? So all of those eight to ten people are saying, by the way, I'll be at Venture Cafe this week. And that becomes such a amplified voice. And it also, doing it over a period of time, makes people think, well, maybe I should be at Venture Cafe. There's 10 people in the community that said they're giving talks there. What's that going to look like? Right, right. And so, Joyce, your role, keep the expansion going? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, Venture Cafe was started in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts in 2010. And um, so St. Louis was our first expansion site in uh, 2014. And every year since 2014, we've added one more uh, Venture Cafe to the network. So we're currently at six um, around the world, two abroad, uh, one in Rotterdam, one in Tokyo, four domestic. Um, we have one in Miami, one in Cambridge, one in St. Louis, and one in Winston-Salem. Um, so it's uh, my job, really, to help Travis um, in our global domination plans and expanding <laughs> the um, 50 cities in, by 2025. Yeah. 50 cities by 2025. I wanted to do something like, like for a vision. I wanted my vision to align with, you know, 2020 because that seems much more appropriate. Uh, but there's no way I'm getting to 50 cities by 2020 uh, unless I have like 20 Joyce's on the team. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's possible to do, but the, that quality issue comes Yeah, play, it really right? becomes a quality issue. I mean, we don't want right. to turn this into a McDonald's franchise where we're just like... Right, I was just going to say, you're using a franchise model as you develop these? It's a, it's, we refer to it as like a federation of associated 
organizations. So it's Whoa. not as... Wow. <laughs> yeah. Like I guess that fits in with the world domination. <laughs> it is, yes. Yeah. Or at least it's, it's kind of like a, a Star Wars analogy yes, as well. Absolutely. Uh, so each local venture cafe is a standalone nonprofit organization okay. that uh, lic- pays a licensing fee or is, has a license to do venture cafe in that market. I see. Yeah. Okay. And maybe a, a similar analogy might be like Android, you know? So we, we have an operating system that we kind of plug into different markets and it takes on different uh, forms, uh, sort of, you know, like Samsung uses the Android platform and then they modify it for their phone or um, LG does the same thing, but it's all Android, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. yeah. Good analogy. I like Thanks. that. I like that. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. That's very Just nice. thought off that. Fun yeah. fact, wow. Android was at Cambridge Innovation Center, which is our parent company right. or our affiliated company. They were at Cambridge Innovation Center in Boston when they were a two-person operation. And Rich Miner got this call from Google and said, we want to acquire your company. And by the way, you can stay in Cambridge. And they grew that to about a 300-person team. So when we think of, you know, Fort Wayne and, like, the activities within, uh, you know, the the region here, and especially uh, EW or Electric Works uh, and that that development, how cool would it be to have a startup that's a two-person startup that gets a call and says, by the way, you don't have to move to the coast. Like, we're just going to plow more people into Fort Wayne. Yeah. Well, of course, that's part of the ambition, right? Right, the sure. Project. So, you uh, last night at one of the, the your presentation, you made it, uh, an, an analogy as well that I thought was really um, kind of eye opening. In terms of the venture cafes, you talked about uh, the way many churches are set up mm-hmm. on an international level. Yeah, um, and so there is this level of comfort. Right? Yeah. So you know. So when you yeah, well, I think what what I like about like that sort of framework is. Uh, and it doesn't even have to be a church. Think of, if we do think of the franchise model, when you go into a Starbucks overseas, yeah. you kind of know how to order your coffee, right? Yeah. Uh, when you go into, if it's a faith-based community and it's, a let's say, a particular denomination and you attend that denomination in the U.S., you go overseas, there is some, some familiarity right. with it. Uh, now, we all worship to the altar of innovation, I guess, uh, which is where <laughs> we get struck down by lightning. Uh, but it is about this community where uh, you can go to a new market Maybe you don't speak the language, uh, but there is a commonality as it relates to innovation. And we, we do a lot of that through social engineering to make sure that when you walk in, there are some familiar points. Yeah, yeah, I like that. The other thing that you talked about last night, and it may be a little departure from our conversation right now, but I, I found it really fascinating. Um, you, you talked about the lack of wealth transfer in African-American communities. Yeah. Um, and I found that I really enjoyed it mostly because I felt like it was an economist viewpoint on this, <laughs> yeah. which I always like the science yeah. behind these things yeah. um, because it helps to, you know, bring down the emotional right. toll of these yeah. kind of conversations that are very important. But would you share that a little bit with our audience? Yeah, if you think about uh, how wealth is transferred in this country, and we'll think specifically in the United States, uh, sometimes it's generated through uh, business growth, right? Uh, the Rockefellers started a business. The Carnegie started a business, and then for generations to to come, people started the business, uh, ran in the uh, ran the business. Uh, in the African American community, and and even in I would say a lot of middle income communities, uh, wealth generation is through real estate. Right? Uh, I have a house. My grandparents lived in the house since 1960. That they paid right. thirty thousand dollars for, and now when they're retiring or passing on, that house is worth two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Like that's a very real scenario. In the in the black community that generational wealth has not been captured in real estate. Oftentimes, those are communities that uh, see disinvestment over time by their local municipality, which means they don't have that same upside. Right. Uh, or, if, uh, or if there is disinvestment, any equity that is gained is pulled out to maintain the basic structure of the home. And so that simple piece of wealth transfer, even just in a house, you know, I have my grand- I'm a grandparent, I pass away, I now have 
$200,000 in real estate equity that I can right. pass on to the next generation. It's not much in just $200,000, but imagine if that number is just zero, right. that there is yeah. no generational transfer of wealth, and that's, mm-hmm. that's unfortunate. Yeah, and we also talked about the, uh, just the lack of like, home equity, yeah. that a lot of people can tap their home equity line. But if you yeah. don't have equity in your home or you don't have a home, yeah. that limits your access to capital as yeah, well. Yeah, uh, there was, uh, I, I always reveal like this, I used to do this job. So there's another situation. I used to do this job. Uh, I used to be a firefighter in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. And when I was a firefighter in the Air Force, we learned about the fire triangle, right? You need mm-hmm. heat, you need an igniter, and you need fuel. Well, for oper- entrepreneurs, you kind of need a fire triangle as well. You need an idea, you need capital, and you need the ability to execute. Uh, in home equity, when people have equity in their home, they, they have a couple. They have uh, sometimes a bad idea and the ability to execute, and right. suddenly they could pull a hundred thousand dollars without any sort of accountability out of their home. Right. right? They don't have to go to a bank, show anybody. They don't have to pitch to anybody. They could just say, "I plan on building a swimming pool," and then never build a swimming pool and pull this equity out of their home. And and during the the upswing in the early two thousands. That, especially in California where I was, I was in banking with Citibank at the time, uh, a person would have $100,000 of equity in their house, and it was typically an older white male, mid-career, frustrated with their boss, right? So there's emotion behind it. They're like, this is it. I'm going to launch this business. Pull out $100,000, and in six months, because of the way the market was working, they could pull out another $50,000. And then they become so leveraged that when the market tanked, they have this huge debt, uh, and this never launching the business, right? Because it was a bad idea. Bad <laughs> ideas and available capital is like a really that's, bad That's a rough combination. Com- that's a bad isn't combination, it? yeah. 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 Uh, you know, and I think that kind of goes to a lot of the conversation that revolves around startups and, and in a community like Fort Wayne where there's this constant drumbeat of there's not enough uh, investment, there's not yeah. enough access to capital. And you say, <laughs> as an investor, I often look at that and say, I think there's plenty of capital for good ideas. Yeah. Um, what there's not is a lot of capital for either bad ideas or lazy people. <laughs> yeah, and uh, there's probably not a lot of capital uh, for bootstrapping. Like, people don't have the yeah. wealth where they can dabble with some things, try mm-hmm. a side mm-hmm. hustle, pull some money out and try it. Yeah. Um, we were, I was talking with, some, with some, a group earlier, and there is a model that I really like out of St. Louis uh, because you do have wealth in Fort Wayne, right? But it's traditional Absolutely. wealth, and it's not, investor, it's not venture wealth. Right. But this, uh, this group out of St. Louis, it's called iSelect, lowercase i, the word select, the iSelect Fund. They have figured out a way to create the, what I would call, I'm not a, fi- please consult your financial advisor. Right now, as I'm, <laughs> as I'm talking about financial vehicles, let me put all the disclaimers <laughs> out there. Please consult your financial advisor. But they've ha- they found a way to create what I would consider, in layman's terms, the equivalent of a mutual fund comprised of startups. And they're selling this and getting investment through financial advisors. And what I like about that model is they're going to people of means and saying, here is a new asset class that I want to introduce you to. Interesting. And just saying, in your portfolio, how much is in bonds, how much is in foreign investment, and how much is in this wedge of pie that is an asset class of startups? I just think that's a brilliant way to get people easing into this, because that's what a startup is. Like, It's an asset class. Especially when grouped together. Especially right? when, this, yeah. And, you know, we it, consider startups to be a 10-year asset class. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so you have this 10-year asset class. And right, and it's diversified. This, and, and you know that it's yeah. you know, highly speculative yeah. still. But right, I mean, just like any asset model, class, yeah. it has its degree of risk. Right. It might be more volatile than, you know, even international funds, but yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's there's two sides to this kind of 
not equating this story, right? The on the uh, investor side, uh, investors aren't willing to go in until there's a minimal viable product or some kind of proof that what they are investing in won't just be a black hole, right? That right. there will be some Ideally, return. Yes. Ideally, yes. <laughs> I think that's why investors invest. Um, and but you know, to get up to that point, as Travis mentioned, you know, the 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 entrepreneur needs to bootstrap. And so, you know, there's, there's a, we always talk about fear of failure for entrepreneurs. I mean, the fear of failure is really real for entrepreneurs who don't have the funds to bootstrap, right? Because mm -hmm. it is, um, as you've mentioned a couple of days ago, it's uh, for the entrepreneur who doesn't have that home equity, who doesn't have that kind of like those savings or that community to tap into, um, you know, the, the bank of mom and dad, um, that uh, failing in their venture is catastrophic. It's a mm -hmm. huge bet, right? It's putting all their chips in and hoping that that kind of roulette table works out for them, right? Um, and, uh, I, you know, I, I know that in, you know, at least in the community I grew up in, in the kind of Chinese-American community, um, my father was an immigrant, and he didn't have any access to capital. He had, you know, no, no money to his name. And so to make his dreams come true and his entrepreneurial ventures take off, he had to kind of borrow from the community. And so you see in these kind of non-traditional ways crowdsourcing happening in mm -hmm. these immigrant communities, these black communities, but, yes. you know, not from the banks, not from other right. sources of, of uh, equity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that, you also mentioned last night about um, supporting neighborhoods supporting their their yeah. own community yeah, businesses right, right? so yeah. um you know my dad owned a barbershop okay. first entrepreneur i knew yeah. right uh, and so it falls right into that category right. of you know the uh, one of the great ways to grow a small business is to turn to your neighbors and support them yeah they're like you know i always say and not that i always say investors say every econ economist say the cheapest source of capital is revenue of course <laughs> it's, it, you give up no equity you understand the margin like this it's a great source of capital right. and um i think that as communities whatever the segment might be the fort wayne community the black community the asian or chinese community uh we need to be better at buying from each other. Uh, we need to be better at supporting one another. Now, I am guilty as the next person of shopping via my phone and ordering right. colorful Adidas at the click of a button, <laughs> not from the cobbler down the street. But I also don't have a right. cobbler in my in St. Right. Louis, Missouri, that can, I almost said whittle shoes. I don't think cobblers <laughs> whittle shoes. They cobble them. I don't have of a cobbler that cobbles they shoes. They clearly cobble. Uh, but there are things like our basic needs, uh, your haircuts, uh, your dentist, right? right. Uh, I always joke when I get my, I'm like, so what boat is this that you're now getting as a result of, you know, filling my, <laughs> my teeth? Uh, you know, the restaurant tour and what I think, what uh, many economic development people, I think, promote and a lot of cities promote is this whole buy local campaign, which I think is great. Put right. the sticker in the window, yeah. uh, make a pledge to buy local. I think there's a step before that, especially as we look at entrepreneurs, that a role that we can all play, which is try local. So if you are a, a restaurateur saying, you know what, our chef is going to try something new, why don't we invite in 12 people, maybe we'll call them social media influencers, I don't know, like, let's, let's right. invite in 12 people and just introduce them to this idea, try their food, and then we'll give feedback to the chef, right? Uh, right. Those 12 people now get to be part of that innovation journey and process, they become part of product development, and that's, that's kind of cool, yeah. and they get a meal out of it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, of course, it's those small businesses that make a community. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it is going to the barber that you go to all the time, and you talk, and they get to know your kids and all yeah. those things. And that's where you get community that you'll never get from Amazon and others online. I know, right? yeah. So, yeah. So what's next for you guys? I mean, um, um, Joyce, the 
What's your next global expansion? Have you identified <laughs> cities where you intend to be? Are you? We have a very long list, very yeah. very long list. It's the you know the next is figuring out the time to, to do it all. But um <laughs> yeah we we have on the docket, um, we are definitely opening um, up a venture cafe in Philadelphia in uh, I believe November. Yep. Yep. Nice. And uh, of this year, and then we are also opening up a venture cafe Sydney in Australia um, next February. Correct. February uh, yes. 20, uh, 2019. Um, and so we're also exploring, we're having conversations in New York, we're having conversations in Dublin, Warsaw, Poland, um, uh, San Francisco, London, London you know. Fort uh, Wayne. Yes, When we list these cities, it's like one of these things is not like <laughs> the other. Uh, and uh, I'm sorry, I interrupted Grace. Let me interrupt no, no. Uh, Joyce. <laughs> Oh, there You'll fix this in post. Uh, so in, in interrupting Joyce, uh, one of the things that we, why we like, we list these cities that might be what we consider premier cities, and we list these cities that some might consider second-tier cities. Uh, we don't use the phrase second-tier cities. Um, each city has assets that are, uh, it sounds like an economist, that has assets that can be mobilized yes. and leveraged. Yes. Uh, but each city has a, uni a, a unique asset class. And um, what we find in cities like Fort Wayne is that people from the outside don't get attracted to cities like Fort Wayne because they are second tier. They get attracted to them because they are emerging or trending in the right direction. Right. And so when we look at cities like London and New York, they are really not, they're, they are there. Like it's not really trending, but it's like, yeah, it makes sense to do stuff there. But we want to be Nostradamus to a little, uh, to a small extent, or as Joyce likes to po point out, we like the fear of missing out. And we don't want to miss out. We're like, oh, man, if this happens and we weren't part of it and we had the opportunity to, people are going to laugh at us. Yeah. <laughs> Crystal will never talk to us. Yeah. <laughs> Crystal's in the studio and she's awesome. Hi. <laughs> Crystal, the uh, innovation director for Electric Works. Did I get that right? The managing director of innovation. Ma managing director of innovation for Electric Works. Yes. yes. And sponsor of this big tour, right? Yes. Yeah. So we're very grateful yeah. to them for bringing Travis and Joyce to us. So share with us your your thoughts on Fort Wayne from that perspective of having been to other communities and, you know, from your unique perspective, I guess, yeah. be, being in those communities and seeing the what they call the entrepreneurial ecosystems in those arenas. So. Yeah, so uh, first I always believe that there are more Fort Wayne's, St. Louis's, and Winston-Salem's around the world than there are San Francisco's, New York's, and Boston's. In the United States, 97% of the population lives in places not called San Francisco, Boston, <laughs> or New York. Right. So like, what I like about Fort Wayne is it represents America. Uh, let's make everything as great as possible again kind of thing, right? Let's, let's really address the needs here. But what I, what I love about a, a city like Fort Wayne, and, and it's not perfect, like, it, by far. Sure. But, you know, I've spent a lot of time in Silicon Valley. Far from perfect. Like, the lit, we can have a whole talk show, a whole series on, why do people really stay in San Francisco? Like, there should be a number of economic refugees out of the Bay Area on an annual basis. Like, the, yeah. the uh, ex-migration, what's it called when you leave? The emigration. Emigration. Emig yeah, the emigration should be huge because you can talk about home equity cash that stuff out and go buy a block of land <laughs> in, in a city like Fort Wayne. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And that, I mean, it, but we can't market, you know, we don't like to market cities like Fort Wayne uh, based on just on um, cost of living. Uh, because that's saying, hey, you know what? Not only are we second tier, we're also cheap. And right. the fact of the matter is mm -hmm. it's not about mm -hmm. being cheap. It's about uh, capital efficiency. I guess the 
the, the economist in me. How can you make your money stretch? And, then, and, and in Fort Wayne, not only is it capital efficient, you have industries and sectors here that you don't have in other markets. The defense industry, while it is right. not as large as it used to be, still exists here. And it's a, if you're a startup wanting to do something in that sector, take a look at Fort Wayne. Uh, medical device, specifically in uh, orthopedic devices. Right. Yes, you could do medical device in Boston. You could do medical device and pharma in St. Louis. But in orthopedics, it's niche. Take a look here. And just like we see, you know, the way that, you know, cable television has gone from broad to specific, you know, our, in a, our startup communities are also very specific. Mm -hmm. So part of the thing that we look for when we're looking at new cities mm -hmm. is what does this city, what hole does this fill in our global network? We don't have anybody else doing defense right now. We don't have anybody else doing orthopedics. We don't have anybody doing specialty insurance products, like, which is, right, right. <laughs> is there a lot of business there? There's a lot of business there. There is. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so we were talking about uh, Fort Wayne and, and you know, your observations overall. Um, Joyce, is this your first time to Fort Wayne as well? It is. And, it is. and you've, we've been nice to you, I hope? I, you know, it's uh, the hospitality has been unbelievable. Yeah. Well, that's, we hang our hat on that. And I, so uh, I was actually... The defense <laughs> the industry, and we're really nice. So. Well, what a, what a juxtaposition. <laughs> well, you know. We'll kill you. It pays to be nice. <laughs> nice kill you with kindness. We, we won't that's kill you. That's our defense industry. <laughs> we just build the things that allow yeah. us other people to kill you. Yeah, right? no. <laughs> so. I, I, so on my uh, on my drive uh, from the airport to where we were meeting yesterday morning, I actually got stopped, I think, three different times by people offering to give me directions. And everyone was, you know, and I knew where I was going because, you know, <laughs> the wonder of, of, of uh, Apple Maps. But, you know, uh, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I felt rude interrupting them because they were being so kind and giving me the directions. <laughs> so I, I kind of sat through, you know, <laughs> a couple of conversations. And, uh, but, you know, it's just, it's just an example of how kind and, and friendly everyone is here. Well, yeah. I'm glad you're enjoying it, for sure. <laughs> you know, uh, speaking of that kindness, I think the thing that I like about uh, these cities, these we call them Midwestern cities or emerging cities, is that people like to help each other. You know, I had, yes. I had an entrepreneur uh, that was visiting St. Louis from the Bay Area, uh, from San Francisco, and he said um, what he likes about St. Louis and communities like St. Louis is there's a high level of community and a modest level of activity. Uh, what he doesn't like about cities like San Francisco is there's a high level of activity and actually zero sense of community. And part of that reason is you are so damn busy yeah. trying to generate revenue to stay relevant or alive or funded and operational that you don't have time to just dwell, to enjoy. When we At Venture Cafe, when we talk about networking, it's I want to meet you, I want to know you, I want to help you. And we say, dwell in that middle piece. Mm -hmm. Well, when you are in a, a very fast-paced environment, dwell is not part of your vocabulary. You're like, I can't dwell because 15 minutes costs me, you know, $10,000 of talent time. Right. Uh, so yeah. when you can slow the process down a little bit and dwell, uh, you can actually develop some pretty cool friendships. And uh, if we think about this and if the listeners think about this, there aren't very many mechanisms as adults where you can create friendships. Absolutely true. Mm -hmm. Like that right. stops at university, and I would say the faith-based community is probably the closest thing. But that's probably true. Uh, even your work relationships—you might be in a bowling league or something like that—but you don't, you don't really. Hang, you, it's work relationships. So one of the things that we recognize that we're fostering through Venture Cafe is just good old-fashioned friendships. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that ain't bad. That's not bad. That's, that's the worst <laughs> yeah. that happens. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, and and you know it's uh, I think any kind of interaction that, that's business. Or, or personal, it's all based on trust. And you can only trust people if you get to know them. 
Um, and and so that's why right. you know we we have these kind of weekly opportunities for people to to kind of build these these little networks and and, and communities of trust. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we don't like that's why we don't like calling it networking. You know, networking right. Networking implies that you're there to leverage something, right? Right. It's, it's a, transactional. What do I get from you, and what can I? Yeah. Right. Here's my right. card. Buy my thing. Right. Yes. Yeah. And we've all experienced plenty of that. Right. 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 Yeah. It, I, you know, I, I will say this: when we look at cities like Fort Wayne, so there's a couple, there's a few criteria that we look at when we're launching into a m- new market, right? There has to be some population density. We can't go into Mayberry all of a sudden and just say like Andy Griffith is cool, and uh, you know. <laughs> Uh, Joyce, so Andy Griffith. You know, Joyce is our resident millennial. Oh. Oh. <laughs> that really hurts yeah. me. Yeah, that hurts I don't me. know if we should make Andy Griffith references on a podcast because it's like, I think we're too generous. So anyway, what? we can't go into small, mar- tiny markets where there isn't activity. Uh, but the other thing that we look for is the existence of an innovation district. Um, right. And it, not just a space, but a master plan from leadership, le- elected leadership, city leadership, part of the overall plan saying, we are betting on this specific geographic area, and we are designating this as our innovation district. Now, I will say, I've been to a lot of cities that are like, you know what's a good uh, brand for us? Let's brand this an innovation district. Uh, and then, like, yeah. there's nothing else behind it other than Innovation right. City USA. And, like, that, I'm going to call BS on that. Yeah. So, like, in Fort Wayne, there's Electric Works that we had talked about right. a little bit already. Uh, I can honestly say, like, we haven't made our evaluation of, like, we can or can't come to, uh, to Fort Wayne. We are, we're di- collecting data. Sure. But I know I can say we can't come to Fort Wayne if Electric Works doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And I know I might okay. sound like a lobbyist for Electric Works, and I'm not. <laughs> uh, but it, it's a, you know, for a market like Fort Wayne, uh, which is a small market, mm-hmm. uh, in a not easy-to-get-to part of Indiana... I'm sorry you had flight troubles. It's okay. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, like, you know, we, the world is flat. Like, I, I get that. Um, but the, what that says, not just to an organization like Venture Cafe, but what it says to the internal and existing community is that this is important. And we are doubling down as a community. We are betting on the next generation of Fortune 500 companies that are going to grow here. Like we can continue to do smokestack chasing and business attraction, but the best way to attract businesses is to grow kick-butt Absolutely. businesses. And that electric works or that sort of focus at uh, major acreage, major square footage, major investment mm-hmm. is saying to everybody else in the country, Fort Wayne serious. Mm-hmm. What do you look for in, uh, so we're calling this an innovation district. Yeah. I mean, what are the elements within that? Because that is a nebulous term and, yeah. and people can bar- brand anything, yeah. right? We're sitting in this building and I've declared it. My innovation. I have here. blessed it. Yes. In, I declare so, the. Uh, maybe so, if I had you do it, and I get a picture of you doing it, and I could yeah. hang, and then everybody would know. Uh, so uh, you know, electric scooters and T-shirts. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> See, I can get those. Yeah, yeah. That's, avocado uh, toast. Avocado <laughs> toast. Uh, string lights. A couple of brewery. Uh, uh, and by the way, uh, Fort Wayne has wonderful breweries too. We do. So, yeah. We know how to drink here. Yeah. <laughs> you drink well. Uh, so what do we look for? What makes an innovation district? Uh, Three things, talent, ideas, money. I mean, it, it, I, I can say other stuff as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And those things being concentrated. So it's not just talent, ideas, money everywhere. So uh, first we'll start on the, we'll go backward, ideas. Right. Uh, coming out of university, corporate R&D, we don't need a lot of them. We need some of them. Mm-hmm. So the analogy I use is in San Francisco, there's 10 great Ethiopian restaurants. I love Ethiopian food. In St. Louis, there's one good Ethiopian restaurant, but that one is on par with the 10 in San Francisco. So same thing when we look at these, these categories. Are, is, there some, is there quality there? So 
are there good ideas? Uh, and I've looked around, and there's there are companies. In fact, while we were in, we could call this a it's causation, right? Since mm-hmm. Venture Cafe has been in Fort Wayne, there has been a successful acquisition and exit by a startup. That's 48 true. 48 hours. 48 hours yeah. in town. Absolutely true. We are taking credit we, for that. And it was, it was actually on the hustle today, even. Yeah. So it it's uh, for those that are listening, Aardvark, which is not a tech company, which you think it might be if you watch the TV show Silicon Valley. That sounds like a very tech company. It's low-tech, paper straws. Yeah. Paper straw company, we've all heard about what's going on at Starbucks and the ban of uh, plastic straws. This paper straw company got acquired by a larger, I think, Wisconsin-based yep. uh, specialty and paper goods company. So, like, it doesn't take a lot, but that's gonna that could have good impact on the region. Right. Uh, so where are those ideas coming from? Uh, the money piece. Uh, there needs to be some source of capital. Again, it doesn't have to be home equity, but there needs to be risk capital. Mm-hmm. We should be specific mm-hmm. here. There needs to be some sort of risk capital. It can come from uh, investors. The other thing that I see, and we've had conversations since we've been here, is how can our economic development agencies uh, within the region uh, take some of their money that they earmark for incentives for large companies and convert that as to risk capital, not as an investment, to incentivize early-stage companies to locate in Fort Wayne or to support the growth of early-stage companies. Small amounts. $50,000 can go a a lot further here than it can in the coasts. And people will leave the coasts for something as small as $50,000. The talent piece. Uh, there is, there, again, we don't have the quantity, but we don't have this, the, the number of serial entrepreneurs in Fort Wayne, but we have to find some of those serial entrepreneurs who, right. who can be the mentors. It's very difficult getting, and this is no offense to traditional corporate execs, it's hard for a traditional corporate exec to mentor a startup. Of course. Uh, yeah. It's just it's the, worlds are, set, the right? worlds are very yeah. different. Yeah. Uh, the other place for talent coming out of universities, uh, there are universities in the local area, but it's also in close proximity to other universities. Uh, then even taking it further, what is the primary K-12 through system look like? These are all not mature yet in Fort Wayne, but there are people working on them and there's resources being invested in them. Those are the things that we really look for. Great. Yeah. So we're on the right track, you would say. You're on the right, right? track, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's fair, right? trending I mean, I in the think, right direction. Well, it, you yeah. know, I, but I say that because, um, you know, I, I do some traveling as well, yeah. and um, I was in Peoria, Illinois, and when I was talking to them, I mean, you know, you spend a couple of days, you get a real strong sense of kind of the maturity of yeah. this entire thing. And I remember telling their economic development people that, you are exactly where we were mm-hmm. three years ago. Yeah. And that, that's, you know... You can view that as negative if you choose, yeah. <laughs> but but it's you know you're on the right track at least. Yeah. But I mean, it, it's surprising that once you spend some time in these environments, the thing the trends that you do notice. Yes, absolutely. Because if you you know the first time you don't pay any attention, you have no yeah. idea how to how to benchmark it or anything right. else. But um, it comes fairly quickly once you've been to some of these communities, and and again a place like Peoria, which you know has a lot of potential riverfront, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of similarities actually, yeah. you know, population wise and things. I um, mean, you just look at it and think, wow, okay, so they. You know, they just opened their first co-working space and it has 14 members. And, yeah, you yeah. know, it's like, okay, you know, we see, we were there. It wasn't yeah, that right, long ago. Exactly. We were there. I, yeah. I get that. Um, and so it's just kind of fun And, like, right now, that. like, Piura is, like, looking at uh, Fort Wayne as aspirational. Like, yeah, oh, absolutely. Man, if, that, we could, if we could be as cool as Fort yeah. Wayne. <laughs> and uh, so I was, so here's a very real example. I was uh, talking to an economic developer in New York City uh, probably six months ago. And he said, Travis, you know what's frustrating is New York City is flyover country when it comes to biotech. Now, like, the idea of flyover country is nobody wants to stop there. Right. And nobody right. would ever think that New York would, would be sad about being flyover country. I mean, if you make it there, you can make it anywhere. That's the right. song says so. <laughs> yeah, uh, we've been but told that, that led me to believe 
everybody as somebody else's flyover country, right? And so yeah, we sure. markets like Fort Wayne have an inferiority complex, but markets like uh, New York have an inferiority complex in certain areas as well. Let's just normalize that. Right. And when we look at innovation communities around the country and around the globe, we have now democratized the tools that are necessary. You don't have to go all the way to San Francisco or New York to do something. There are ways you can do it, maybe at smaller scale, not as much growth, or maybe the upside isn't as great, but you can, you can get there. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's a great note for us to end on. Awesome. We have dinner reservations, so, you know. <laughs> Listeners, uh, I'm going to go eat. At, again, a good example, we are having dinner we at a Michelin Star restaurant. Absolutely. I'm so excited. Bilbao, yes. uh, Spain, which I've, I've had a chance to go to, Bilbao and the surrounding area is like the highest concentration of Michelin Star restaurants really? anywhere in the world. Uh, that's good. But if there's a Michelin star restaurant in Fort Wayne, that means that one restaurant is on par That's with right. restaurants in somewhere like Bilbao. Absolutely. Let's eat. That's great. <laughs> Travis Sheridan, president of Venture Cafe Global Institute, and Joyce Chen, global expansion lead from uh, Venture Cafe. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Thank you.